0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. My name is Adam Homey. I'm your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to join us today. As the name says, our listeners are business creators. We have entrepreneurs, small business owners, and local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches. We have the folks who help others build their businesses. And on the other side of that coin, we have the do-it-yourselfers who'd like to have your own hands on the marketing levers as you grow and develop your business, whether it's an online business, a bricks-and-mortar business, or the type of business that does both. If you are any of the above, one or more of the above, please take a moment, explore our episodes, and discover how we help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, check out our podcast on iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show or click the big banner on the right-hand side of our website. There are over 100 episodes loaded, and we add fresh content every single week. Please join us. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us help more business creators just like you. I am very excited about what we're going to cover today. Many of our listeners, in fact, most of the entrepreneurs that I work with and have met at events, have met when I've done speaking engagements, have come in contact with through the Business Creators Radio Show, through the internet, through the social media. The ones that are truly successful have failed before. In fact, I would say that the avatar of one of the most successful entrepreneurs that I've come across is somebody who has actually failed at business. A lot of people I know have been bankrupt before, before they've achieved their ultimate success in business, which is why I was especially excited that we were able to get Heather Havenwood to come to the Business Creators Radio Show and share with us on the creation of a business one failure at a time. Sometimes the failures are catastrophic, sometimes it's just a series of small failures, sometimes it's just when you thought you were winning, something happens. And it throws everything into disarray. I like to think of the analogy of being three feet from gold. You're digging, clearing the mine, and then you give up right before the diamonds. So you just miss out on them. And then the other guy who's chiseling goes and gets your diamonds. So what we want to do today is help you, give, help you get some of the information that's going to help you as you build and grow your business and how to deal with failure, overcome failure, and gain success from failure. Now, just to tell you a little bit about Heather before we introduce her. Uh, Heather Ann Havenwood is the CEO of Havenwood Worldwide LLC and Chief Sexy Boss. She is a serial entrepreneur and is regarded as the top authority on internet marketing, business strategies, and marketing. Since marketing her first online business in 1999, which is a few years before I got started, bringing together clients and personal coaches, She has played an active role in the online marketing world since before most people even had a home computer. In fact, I remember in 1999, the computer I had, my phone does 20 times more than that computer could have dreamed of, just to give you an idea of how long Heather's been in this. In 2006, she started, developed, and grew an online information marketing publishing company from ground zero to over $1 million in sales in less than 12 months. And she started without a list, without a product, a name, or an offer. But without a list, a product, a name, or an offer, Heather Ann molded her client into a successful guru now known as an expert in his field. Heather has been named by a few as an icon creator or the wizard behind the curtain. She has instructed, coached, and promoted hundreds of entrepreneurs, leading them down the path of success. She's produced and managed over 350 seminars and events, and hosted teleseminars with many top online thought leaders such as Richard Flint, John Alanis, Susan Bratton, Alicia, Elisa, I'm gonna butcher this name, so please forgive me, Alicia Lytle, Tom Antion, Alex Mandosian, the legend Joe Sugarman, Anthony Blake, David Lacani, Robert Shaman, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, and many others. Heather Ann currently is the author of Sexy Boss. How the Empowerment of Women is Changing the Rulebook for Sex, Money, and Success, which I'm going to have to rush to Amazon and get my own copy of immediately, and The Game of Dating and How to Play It, a rulebook for divorced men stepping back into the game. Heather Ann Havenwood, as you're going to discover in our time together here today, is smart, sexy, and savvy. And now stepping out from behind the curtain to educate and enlighten and empower women entrepreneurs to grow or start an online business and live a fearless and fulfilled life. And as Heather likes to say, be you, be real, be the boss of your life. And with that, I'm not even really sure I'm worthy to be here. I should probably just hand over the Business Creators Radio Show now. I'm not sure I can handle being in the presence of such greatness, but I'm going to give it the old college try. Welcome aboard, Heather.
1: Thank you so much, Adam. I really appreciate it. I, I definitely, and I do. I remember AOL. Remember AOL on Earthlink? Oh yes. Like, and they just, uh, I remember those days. You know, uh-huh. like you're all excited because you're about to log onto the internet, and then someone in your household picks up the phone and kills the connection. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Oh, I remember. I remember those days. And else I remember. I I would log in and out of AOL, in and out of AOL, because I was just. Oh. Please, I want email. Somebody
1: please email me. Please email me, right? Like, you got mail. Like, oh my God, somebody email me. You know, I remember those days, man. My first email was like net. I don't don't think they have that anymore, but thank you for the amazing introduction. Uh, I always have a hard time listening to my own introduction. I don't know if you do, but it's like, wow, well, that's me. It is. Oh, that's well, crazy. I, I do
0: a victory lap while people introduce me, but... Uh, I
1: should. I should. I'd be like, yay! I just, you know, it's all true, but it's just like, wow, I've done all that? I don't even know if I'm really excited I did all that or I'm really old. I don't know which one it right. is, but...
0: Well, sure. the first question we normally ask our esteemed guests here at Business Creators <laughs> Radio Show is basically to tell us your story of how you arrived at where you are. Uh, hmm. Reading your impressive bio... I yeah. kind of have done that for you, so I'd like to rephrase the question in your case just a little bit differently and ask you to share with us, you know, what what was the passion behind what drove you to that success? What was the thing that motivated you to take that bold step forward and claim your vision and your dream?
1: Well, that's a great question. Thank you for asking it. So there's a couple things. Um, That is, I was 100% unemployable. I just didn't know it. I tried to keep going back to corporate America, and I kept getting fired. In fact, this week I just did an article about it on my LinkedIn page about how uh, I had it counted up. I was fired like five or six times over the years from companies. And it wasn't because I was a bad bad employee necessarily. I was always very good. I showed up to work. I was always a hard worker, and I always brought in revenue because I came from this – this particular view that if you bring in revenue for the company, um, then they'll like you. Okay. And that's really all you had to do and be a good employee and show up on time and, and stuff like this. Well, there's this other whole piece I'm not very good at, which is when the company was doing something that I didn't think was, uh, I guess, I guess I would say that if there was other things that the company could do in marketing, because I constantly am thinking in the world of marketing, and it's automatic for me. Like, hey, try this. Hey, I try truth. They didn't want ideas. You know, you just do your job. Don't give us ideas on how to do our business, right? And I kind of didn't understand that, the politics behind it. So I had this, like, I'm not very good at being an employee because uh, I want to have a voice, you know? I want to say, hey, here's another idea, here's another strategy. I'm always looking for those opportunities. So I was actually fired a lot, but it was always in a loving way. Um, And so because of that, that's what drove me to where I'm at. Like, okay, I want to own my own business, create my own life such that if I want, if I have an idea, I want to be able to implement it. I want to have the choice. I want to have the freedom. I don't want to have that restriction. That was kind of the drive. My dad's an entrepreneur. So there was definitely a piece of me, I think from him, you know, kind of, I think entrepreneurs sometimes are a little bit born where we want to be rebels. I'm an automatic rebel. I'm an automatic person that kind of shakes the the cabinet, you know, as they call it. So
2: um,
1: that's definitely me. I'm definitely a rebel. Uh, And I've, I think it took me a while to learn that about myself and accept that about myself. So it was actually after my, uh, I created a business with a business partner back in 2004 and we went really fast from zero to a million dollars in a year. And then one day I came home one day and everything was gone. Computers were gone. Merchant accounts were rewired. All the, all the money was thrown out of the bank account and I was completely overnight broke Um, And that kind of spun me into bankruptcy and and, uh, foreclosure and all kinds of fun stuff right at the tip of 2006. And that was when my life kind of changed. I was like, I first tried to go back to corporate America again. Of course, it spit me out like in a loving way. Like, no, really, you are not employable. And that was when I said to myself, okay, I'm going to create again. You know, that was my drive really to a point of I had to eat. And the one thing I'm good at is creating and then one thing I'm good at is marketing. One thing I'm good at is sales. So it's like, okay, uh, you kind of spend your whole life sometimes moving away from what you think you're good at, and then when push comes to shove and you need to eat, you do exactly what you're great at. You do what you know you're great at to make that money. And so that's kind of what happened. That was the drive of like, this is it. I don't have another option. You know, I gotta, I gotta make, I gotta make some money. And that's when I become what I, call, what I call now a hardcore entrepreneur. I'm like 100%. There's no way, no matter what happened, I would ever go back to uh, a job.
0: In some cases, the details are different, but that sounds kind of like a page from my own diary. Yeah. I fall into the unemployable myself, and for some of the same reasons. I cannot sit by idly while opportunities just get missed. And I see what basically boils down to just absolute abject stupidity. I just do not have the tolerance mm-hmm. for that. And
1: I also yeah, stupidity. Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. God you said that. It was like, "What are you guys stupid?" You know. And they're like, "You're not allowed to say that." I'm like, well, "Why yeah. not?" Because you're not it. that role to say that. I'm like, "Why not?" Stop asking that question. Okay, I don't, I don't fit here,
0: you know? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I know what you mean. I, I know. And, and what's very unfortunate, and we still see way too much of this, no matter how far we think we've come in terms of enlightenment or how we truly empower and grow our employees to become people who have a sense of ownership, who take the mission of the company very seriously, we still see way too much of people's. Not only their value to the organization, but the level of treatment as a human being that they supposedly deserve, dependent on where they fall in this artificial org chart thing.
1: Yeah, the org chart thing. Yeah, that's very true. It's like, well, you're in that position, you're not allowed to say an idea. I'm like, where did that happen? Because I know it's for myself, people that I work with, vendors, employees, or just you know, friends, I'm constantly, what do you think of that idea? Maybe you can make it better. Maybe right. you can make it better. I'm open. Who do I have to say that it's my ideas? Like, I don't know. Maybe your idea is better. Let me run with that one. There's no ego in the game. And I think in, in, um, in my experience with corporate America, I one time worked for a big, big company, SBC, which was turned into singular, which turned now to ATT. I mean, big yeah. company. There was a lot of ego playing, a lot of politics. I just don't do well there. You know, I had no problem when I call picking up the phone and, and calling my boss's boss's boss. And I did that once thinking, I don't know, why would I not? I have their number. Why, and they just came down on me so hard. And I'm like, I don't understand. That makes no sense to me. Why, why can't I just call them and say, hey, I have this idea? Because um, that's really what I call true entrepreneurship is. True entrepreneurship is really like, hey, pick up the phone and you call someone and go, you don't know me. I don't know you, but let's, I got this idea. And they might say no, but at least you tried. They might right. say yes too. I think that's what true entrepreneurship is. It is true rebellion. <laughs> we are rebe- yeah. rebellious. Is that Rebellious. Rebellious. We're rebellious. Right,
0: right. And, and you know, the fact is, I say no to almost everything. I'm a big believer in saying no to success. But uh, one thing you'll never hear me say or do is put somebody down because they have the temerity to share an idea, as long as they're respectful about it, of course. Like, if you flame me on social media, I'll give it back to you 25-fold. Uh, right. But I'm, 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 I'm definitely not the, well, I'm so grateful that you took the time and thank you for your opinion. It's more like, screw you, pal, and we'll go from there. But but, uh, but if, somebody, <laughs> if somebody wants to come at me and share a great idea, or say, "Hey, I saw something you were doing, or something crossed my mind, and I want to run this by you." Or if they want to, you know, in a respectful way, come to me and say, "You know, um, I, I'm noticing something here, and I think I just wanted to put this out there, just something for you to think about." Hey, I'll, I'll listen because, yeah, otherwise, what could I be missing out on? A lot.
1: Yeah. Absolutely! Oh, absolutely! I completely agree with that. I think, and that's uh, honestly my failure. I I wanted to share this one story with you. Is that during my time of, I I'm going through the bankruptcy and foreclosure because it takes about a year to go through that whole process and all that. I went to a um, um, a just, an entrepreneurship retreat. You know. Yeah. And there was a buddy of mine there. He was also a coach he's kind of a hardcore guy. I mean, I love him. He's a really successful real estate investor. His name is Bill, but he, he's one of those guys If you ask him a question, be careful because you will get the truth, you know, and I like that right. about him, but here I am. And I'm um, in the middle of this whole bankruptcy clo- foreclosure thing. And I'm all upset and I'm yelling at myself and I'm victim, 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 I'm very much in a victim space. And he does this thing that I, I honestly never f- forgot. And uh, here I am kind of crying and he, he me, gives me a pen, and he says, okay, write this down this piece of paper. It's blank, right? And he goes, okay, I, Heather, and I'm like, I, oh, Heather, my dear, i cry like, <laughs> You know, and I, Heather, give myself full permission to fail. And I can barely even finish it, right? I'm just like in tears because yeah. I noticed that was the thing, right? It wasn't that, yeah, I was going to bankruptcy and all that, whatever, but it was like I felt like such a failure, you know? And when that moment, he's like, Heather, you have to give yourself a license to fail if you're ever going to be successful as an entrepreneur. And he goes, I do. And he started talking about all these stories about all these uh, particular deals that he's failed at, but he's a multimillionaire. I'm sitting here talking to him, right? I'm like, how is that possible? Even Joe Sugarman says, and he said this publicly as well to myself privately, like the reason I'm successful Heather is because I failed more than most people. You know he's a very successful man financially um and personally and and everything else. It's like he's like, I gave myself permission to just do it and to fail and to succeed and to fail, and succeed. and so from that moment, I really do give myself the permission to fail and to succeed at the same time when you have to give yourself both and at that moment, when you have an idea, it's you just implement it and then you the market will let you know if it's a good decision or not, right versus right. trying to think it through. It's like really sometimes an idea is given to you and your job is just to implement it. That's your job as an entrepreneur, I think. You are given ideas from whatever way, source, people, whatever, and your job is to implement those ideas in the marketplace. And the marketplace will tell you if it's a good idea, i.e. will buy, purchase, like, whatever. I think that's that's on entrepreneurship itself. That's why I call it one failure at a time.
0: I, lo- I love that. Just one final point here I want to make on this. Is and this was told to me by somebody a long time ago who was, I believe the person was a supervisor in a call center or something along those lines, and they were uh, in a situation where they were coaching one of their employees and. I guess there was a certain level of inability to connect or recalcitrance or something along those lines. I don't really know the full story, but they said something to their employee that has stuck with me, even though the person who said it has not stuck with me. But again, giving credit where it's due, this is, uh, this is somebody, a piece of brilliance that I got from somebody who I would definitely never consider as brilliant by any just long story. But what they said was, the reason why you work for me is because I've made a lot more mistakes than you to get here.
1: Hmm. Oh, that's really good. I think that that's something that Donald Trump would say. Yeah. <laughs> the reason why you all work for me and why you love me is because you know I've succeeded a lot and I've failed a lot. And he's failed right. a lot. Right, know. right,
0: right, right. Now, uh, like
1: I'm not in policy, but I mean, as an <laughs> entrepreneur, as right. an entrepreneur, there's like a lot of respect for him.
0: Right, right. Uh, as far as as far as Trump, I'll make one quick comment about him. Uh, this is something that I've noticed about him for years now. I've read pretty much all the books, and I've been following his career since I was 11 years old, back around the time when The Art of the Deal came out, and he started to get on the cover of every magazine and newspaper in the world. The funny thing about Trump is if there was a, one small element of Trump that, was, that, that could be transplanted into every entrepreneur – we would have so many more successful businesses in this company. I mean, here, here's a guy who got very lucky very early on and worked really hard and did a lot of very successful deals as a young person and turned a um, relatively small $100 million gift from his dad into a billion dollars. Uh, then he got involved in the football league, which folded. He got involved in the airline it folded. And Then he got over-leveraged. He got in trouble with the banks, and uh, there was a question of whether he was going to end up in the poorhouse. Now, mm-hmm. You see entrepreneurs that crumble up and die basically because mm-hmm. they send out a because they cause they, cause they do a product launch and it doesn't sell very well.
2: <laughs> Sorry. And, yes. mean, and meanwhile, and
0: meanwhile, you you have, you have Trump who's had all these very spectacular failures, and all he does is Publicly. shrug and, and all he does is shrug and keep going. It's like there's nothing that says, "Hey, maybe I should be more careful next time," or no. "Oh, oh, I, I, I better be cautious." No, he's just like, "Okay, next." <laughs>
1: yeah and I the thing that you just said there, which is key, he's done it publicly, yeah, so publicly. he's failed and succeeded publicly. I like think about the product launch, I laughed because it's not really public, you know what I mean? It's not really public. it's not people really don't know how the launch went, you know, and so I think that's really a key piece It's like he has failed publicly, right, and uh, that's a big piece of I mean for me, I didn't the reason I wrote the book, Sexy Boss it was because a lot of people didn't know I went through what I went through because I didn't want people to know I was embarrassed, right? It wasn't until I wrote the book really for myself was like, okay, this is how I went from bankruptcy to sexy boss, my story like that. That's the truth. But it was coming out like I need to get past this public thing called, yeah, I went through bankruptcy. I couldn't even say that. I went to Bingsby. I went to foreclosure. Yes. I was the only one. It was also 2006, and all my friends were just literally throwing the keys to to their houses at the bank, saying, here, have five houses. Oh, have ten. I mean, I was in Florida, for God's sake. You're in Vegas. You get that. Right. So I wasn't the only one, but I felt like I was the only one. I felt like I was the only failure. I felt like. You know, oh my God! Don't tell anybody! Don't tell anybody! And there was actually so much freedom to say, yeah, I did that. I mean, Trump talks about it. He says he's like, yeah, I filed bankruptcy. What's the next question? I don't understand yeah. what the problem is. Right. Moving on. You know, right. oh, well, you use the laws against you? What are you talking about? What? Right. You know, when he says that, and I'm like, I agree with him. It's he's not a bad person because we had this be- We do, we do have this beautiful law in this in, in our country. It is, it was designed. For entrepreneurs, FYI. right? It was designed for people to go and try something and fail. Disney used it, okay? Yeah. Trump used it, and you know what? There, those are two human beings that have created a bunch of things on this planet that we like and enjoy. Disney's one of them. It was designed for us as capitalists, as Americans, to go out and try new things and fail. That was the designation for it.
0: That was yeah. So that's why perfect. not use? it? Yeah, that's the purpose of Chapter 11 bankruptcy. It gives businesses that have gotten in trouble a chance to restructure and save themselves. Yeah. But in the meantime, continue to do business, continue to serve their customers, continue to invest in things, continue to pay their vendors, and continue to pay their employees.
1: Yeah, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. It's a, it's a gift. It's a gift we have here in uh, in this country. Do people abuse it? Of course. you know right. They abuse everything. But you have to look at the intention of, the, of what the four founders really wanted to create for us, which is a capitalist society, i.e. A, a society that we are given the opportunity to create things, fail, not create whatever over and over and over again. If not, I don't think that's why Apple would have been here, Macintosh wouldn't have been here, you know, Microsoft wouldn't have been here. All those things would not have been here if we didn't have that kind of culture. It would have been in another country. But yeah. They were founded here. They were founded here. I, I believe that I'm American. I guess I am a little too.
0: I uh, this is this is something I can get very passionate about. In fact, yeah,
1: I can it, too. In fact,
0: we get in danger here. Uh, this is the we tend to have three types of interviews on the Business Creators Radio Show in terms of styles, as I see it. One of which are the type where um, after 12 minutes of the hour, we've already gone through all the questions, and I have to find a way to keep it interesting for the rest of the hour. Uh, we have those. They're kind of a slow burn. Then around the 45-minute mark, things suddenly start getting really interesting. It's one of those ones you just got to hang in there. And sometimes as a host, I got to just hang in there and keep going until we find that point where we just really make things happen. This is the third type of interview where uh, we're 23 minutes into it, and I have not yet asked you a question.
1: Oh, okay. I'll be quiet. Come no, no, <laughs> no, on, no. let me get really boring for you. Let me get really boring. I'm not sure if I can do that, to be honest. No, not at all. No. So you have some stuff to share
0: with us, and we'll have at least the last half hour to do it. But there's one question I need to ask you, because we ask this of everybody who comes on our show here. And our listeners who tune in every week very faithfully, to whom I'm grateful, can already hear the drum roll in the background. Here we go. Here in the Business Creators Radio Show, we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. A lot of our listeners tell me they have everything they need to implement anything that any expert tells them to do, including Heather Havenwood, except for time and money. This is a question we ask everybody who appears on the show, and what I like is not only the variety of different answers, but also the variety of ways the question is interpreted. So how Mm. does time and money impact the concept you're going to share with us today?
1: Hmm. Okay, great. So here's how I'll answer that. I think um, I really had to struggle with this, particularly when I was trying to build myself up or I was still constantly, constantly building myself up to where I want to go after the bankruptcy, you know, um, because obviously I had no money. I didn't even have that choice. You know what I mean? All I really had was my brain and the skill set at that time and how I could apply that with what I had. So with, with me, I leveraged my time, meaning I was willing to learn things that I never really thought I would ever learn called code, all kinds of weird stuff that I, right. I thought to myself, oh, I need to outsource that because I'm this and they're that and all this other people talk about, oh, if you're an entrepreneur, you outsource everything you're not good at. B.S. B.S. Okay, because if you're unless you have a million dollars given to you, then yeah, sure, it's really easy to hire people that are really great at those things. But if you're really truly an entrepreneur bootstrapping, you've got to learn things that you might not like called code or HTML. Or For me, that was mine, okay? Right. So I had to learn these things because I thought, well, that's what's stopping me is learning this stuff to move it on. And that was my time. I was putting in the time, you know what I mean? I was putting in the grunt time to learn something to get to where I want to go. Uh, so for for my, I guess my answer to that is, you, if you have the money, it's so much easier, of course, right, to hire a bunch of people to build something. I mean, honestly, nowadays, with where things are at, if you have the money, you don't even have to do anything. You come with an idea and you hire a bunch of people to do it. But if you're truly an entrepreneur, I think it's someone that's willing to put in the time to get dirty, you know, to, to do the janitorial stuff, stuff that's something you don't really want to do, and uh, build something, really build something, think that's what you have. You have uh, the gift of the time to put it in. It might be at midnight. It might be 3 in the morning. It might be at 6 a.m., but still, you can find the time if you really want to.
0: Here, here, Here's another just quick point on the whole unemployable thing. I am incapable of doing the oh. 9 to 5 thing. I, I oh, mean, yeah. if, there, if there is a specific deadline for something or there's a need for something to happen at a certain time, like let's say it's one of the marketing campaigns we manage. I mean, If the launch starts on Thursday at noon Pacific, you know, of course, we're going to have everything ready. We're going to show up for that. But if you show me that the, the, the time frame is flexible and, you know, it's just like kind of whenever there's really nothing going on. It's just something I'd like to do. I'm not going to get out of bed in the morning for that.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. Deadline driven, project driven versus um, it's the job driven, I guess. That's, right. yeah, yeah, I'm that's not exactly what sure
0: it, it is. And that's what that's what
1: it is now. like that. That's what yeah. we do. I mean, honestly, I think if we took I mean, I'm, I'm making this up. But I think if we took some person's job who really is there nine to five, five days a week, you know, 52 weeks out of the year, you gave us what their actual job is, we probably could get it done in six months, you know, if it was project driven, but they <laughs> yeah. drag things out, you know, like the government or whatever. I think right. that's what we do. I don't have time for that. I don't. There's a water cooler conversation. It's just you yeah. get it done, you move on. When when I get stuff done, when I implement, I get to go outside and walk my dog. My that, dog yeah,
0: dog. It, it, it took me a while to get past that, the feeling that, yeah. oh, well, if I get everything done in two hours, then there must be something wrong with me. It's like, no, if I get done in two hours, I'm out of here.
2: <laughs> it's like,
1: right, exactly, yeah. I'm out of here. I get to go play and do what the heck I want, watch a movie. Yeah, you can. That's your gift. That's, that's, the, that's the gift of being an entrepreneur. I think as entrepreneurs, though, honestly, maybe for me, I'm going to – my little secret is if I did that, if I got what I need to get done, I usually don't take off. I'll be like, Oh, what else can I create? <laughs> That's what I it, do.
0: If that, if that is the mood I'm in, i I go with it. If it's not, yeah. it's not, I don't punish myself and I don't force myself. I find that I get more creative. Uh, you know, we're talking about project driven when I'm sure. kind of under a deadline, I find that somehow I just get better. There's something about being in that state that brings out the best in me. Uh, there are those who say, "Well, you need to get more organized. You need to plan your time better." And I say, "Well, I do my do best work. So I'll just, uh, I'll just, you know, while everybody else is worried about making sure they take exactly thirty minutes for lunch and and uh, and letting everybody know that if I haven't picked up the phone, I must be on the other line or away from my desk." No.
1: I could be down at the park.
0: No.
1: Yeah, I could be. The, I took a call yesterday. I was at the park outside in the gorgeous weather here in Austin, Texas with my okay. dog, and we're talking business and some next project. Yeah. And no one, you know, they didn't ask me where I was at. I'm sure he was at his desk because he works for a very large TV station. Right. So, uh, but, um, you know, whatever. It, it just happens. I think that's what entrepreneurship is, you know, especially nowadays. We're creators. Yes. We really are. And we that- get things done.
0: Yeah, that's why we call this the Business Creators Radio Show. And I think Mm -hmm. it would be a great time to segue into some of what you have to share with us today, although you've already shared so much. Uh, Since we're talking about creating businesses, uh, what is your recommendation for starting and creating a business from scratch?
1: Mm, You know, I had to do that after the bankruptcy, um, and I'm, I'm doing it again. Actually, I've created two this last year. The first thing I focus on when I'm creating a business, is to make sure that there's a market, okay? I I'm uh and I hate to say this but I'm not a big fan of the like you know, create it and they will come kind of right. thing or uh follow your passion, follow your bliss, everything will happen. I am not a fan of that advice because if there isn't already a market for something, okay? Uh that it most likely won't be a, a business, okay? Most likely, okay? Of course it's Depends. But there's, I'll tell you a story. I'm here in Austin, Texas, and down the street from me is University of Texas on Austin, of course. And there's also another university called, say, Edwards, like a mile from my office. And they have an entrepreneurship the vision and they invite me to last four years. I come in and my job is to be a judge. I could be an entrepreneur and be a judge. And we they have students that get up kind of like a shark tank, you know, where they, I have this idea of a business, you know, and uh, we get to like judge them a little bit or ask questions or whatnot. What's fascinating is I'm usually the only true entrepreneur on the panel. It's always professors, so I, which I always find interesting. Um, but I, I'm always the one asking the same question. This last time it happened a few weeks ago, I said, okay, uh, Joe, okay idea. How are you going to monetize it? It was that an app. It's always not an app. And uh, they go, well, what's that? <laughs> and I'm like, that's called how are you going to make money? <clears throat> so well, what's funny about that is that they don't think about it. They don't actually think, oh, how are people going to buy it? Or are they going to buy it? Or who's the market? You know what I mean? Like they actually didn't even think it through. So that's the first question I have is for people is if they're going to start a business, is there a current marketplace and what is that current marketplace and are they going to purchase more of it? That's the first piece. Passion or not, that's the first piece.
0: Right. So what do you think? Uh, We've had some conversations about being employable versus unemployable. We've gone over some top business leaders in our nation and our world today Do you think leaders are created or
1: born? Thanks for that question. I really, they can be created, but I think they're naturally born, meaning it has to be honed out of them. You know what I mean? I think we're all kind of born to be able to be a leader, but it's either nurtured at a very young age or at a period of like in their teens, it's either nurtured or it's like not. I think that's a key piece. You're seeing that nowadays because we're in politics. We're in 2016. We're election year. So you see a lot of this right now. You know what I mean? Right. It's loud. Politics is just loud right now. You can't get away from it. And you see which ones are what I call truly charismatic leaders. We've talked about Trump, but I'll say the opposite of that is Jeb Bush. For me, personally, this is my view. Right. He doesn't have the charismatic leadership. Okay. He doesn't take out his name. His name is Jeb Jones. Okay. He just doesn't have... That leadership quality, where he knows how to lead a group, you know. And when I when I think of leaders, I think of they're going down a path and they can turn around and there's people behind them, you know, like people following them because they're like interested in what they're doing for whatever reason. Like they're interested in what they're doing because they feel like they're they're just leading um, a movement. It could be business, but it also could be a movement. And I think that's one thing. That just taking the dichotomy right now, you know, Donald Trump versus jeb jones slash jeb bush mm-hmm. you see a huge on either side of the scale you know i think donald trump is very charismatic and very much a leader and then you have jeb bush who's not so um jeb bush obviously was born into an extremely powerful family right okay and was born into a situation where uh he probably was nurtured at a young age to be a leader and a politician at probably a younger age than we even know right But he still doesn't have it you know So there has to be a combination of born and created. You know, I think I'm sure he's got people around him right now, PR people going, come on, Jeb, you can be a born leader. And it's just like it's not in him. You know what I mean? Like there's something sparked that's not there Um, for whatever reason. I think that they really are born at some level. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I mean, if you use the Bush family as an an analogy, that kind of of makes a lot of sense, because you look at Jeb Bush, for instance, his grandfather was a senator, his Mm -hmm. father was a congressman, a vice president, a president, his brother was uh, a governor and a president. That doesn't mean that Jeb himself automatically is gifted to be that type of out in front leader. Not that Jeb is not extremely qualified. I personally think he did a, a pretty good job as governor of Florida and got a lot of things done while he was down there. I mean, I think the state, he left the state a lot better off than he found it. And I think there are a lot of things in Jeb's values and what he stands for that resonate with me. But uh, I can see the right. point of some folks that are at him up on stage running for president. And it's just like, you know, this, this guy is great, but he just doesn't quite belong here.
1: Yeah. And because I think right now where we're at as a nation, it's just my view. We want that leader. You know, we we want that general kind yeah. of guy who's going to lead us into the fight, you know. Uh, we want that kind of person right now, just based on kind of what's happening into our, our economy and whatever, you know, just generally. I think someone who's like, let's talk about policy, kind of a... You know, I know. So that's, <laughs> so that's what's happening, I think, with Jeb specifically, is that his policy and his values are not getting heard just because right now where we're at as a nation and as people, we all love leaders. And I I talk about one of the clients I have actually is I'm really helping him and coaching him and stepping into that leadership role in his business. And he kind of keeps going into the details and he goes back and forth. But I notice and he notices the moment he steps into that leadership role, all of a sudden his company just – the people in his company are doing better. Everything's doing better because people are just dying. We're thirsty. To follow an amazing leader, we want that. As a part of us, as a human being, even as a solo entrepreneur, we want to watch and follow and be a part of something. And that's what right. good leadership is.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely. I, I think I think that's very that's very true. Uh, I mean, we can all acquire leadership capabilities and leadership characteristics. Yeah. Uh, can, I think it can also be that maybe that wasn't nurtured in a person early on, as, as you say. But that doesn't mean it's not there and can't be brought out later on, but I think some people were designed to be up in front leaders, and some are designed to uh take a different type of role that still allows them to make a huge contribution mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of, it's kind of funny in my you know in in my business and my marketing, I kind of want to be. Out in front in a way, but if you ask me where my comfort zone really is, the best analogy I can give you is, let's say you and I were having a conversation about, you know, they discovered that humans can live on Mars, so let's get together a bunch of entrepreneurs and let's go to Mars and start an entrepreneurial country so we don't have to deal with all this regulatory nonsense or what have you, where entrepreneurs can just be free to create and add value. And I
1: agree with that. That's why I talk about the wizard behind the curtain, because most of my entrepreneurship life, I've been behind the scenes. And it's only in the last year and a half that I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll come out from behind the curtain, you know. I agree. I'd rather just sit behind my computer and create and build, 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 build. I think, honestly, that is a trait of true leaders versus what I call, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of right. egomaniacs. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a difference between egomaniacs who are loud. Leadership does not equal loud. Okay, right. a true leader is usually the one who's a little more quiet, a little more reserved, um, is okay with not being in front. That's that's a trait of a leader. I agree with you. Let's go to Mars and create our own rules of entrepreneurship. I'm in. Right, right, but, <laughs> Yeah, right. But as
0: as I was saying here, uh, you wouldn't have to worry about me being in a fight of who gets to be the leader of the country. I want to be the person who holds that has the hands on the levers and in a hundred different ways decides who gets to be the leader of the country because somebody else can be out in front and every four years or six years, or whatever we can replace that. But, uh, they're all be in the background every single time we come around.
1: Get yeah, that's, that's so out. true. That's so true. That is very true. And I think honestly, that's what's happening in our camp current, I think current political I think, situation right now where we're at is, and maybe it's true maybe it's not i get the feeling that donald trump is doing this right now not because he really wants to be president it's more like i'm sick of this you know kind of thing um versus you can tell somebody who just wants to be the president you know like "Eh, not very sexy not very attractive like i just want to be the president i'm like "Eh, you don't want that person you want the person who's like i'm doing this because there's got to be a change you know and uh, we all know that there's people behind the scenes in government in the world that are pulling the levers we don't even know their names you know
0: right right you you know you you look at trump and you think why why is this guy running yeah he has he has 10 billion dollars According to his calculations, and uh, when you think of the uh, estimated value of all his properties and his liquid cash and everything else he has his, his fingers in, uh, he could have just gone on continuing to have a number one hit TV show and oh, write yeah. books and get paid a million and a half dollars per public speaking appearance, which, as I understand correctly, is his going rate to do a, a public speaking appearance if it's you know, other than a political rally type thing and he puts it all on the line and exposed himself and opens himself up to a level of criticism that would tear down a hundred other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have, you have to, you have to think there's something other than just his ego there because the, and, and, and if he wins the election, the white house is a big step down from his usual lifestyle.
1: Oh, it is. You think about how much controlling that is. He's got a, he's kind of going to be controlled by a huge schedule. You know, he's got a lot of freedom right now. He can do whatever he wants, when he wants, however long he wants as an entrepreneur. You know, he really is. He's really kind of going to a very corporate structured environment. And I think about myself. Wow. I don't know if I'd do that. I'd have to be doing it for not ego reasons. It had to be really something I believe in. And I think that's what's happening. We see that. And I remember he had an interview recently, not real recently, like months recently. Right. Someone said, well, if you weren't winning right now, would you get out? And he said, yeah, if we weren't winning. I wouldn't be doing this. I mean, I don't need to be doing this, you know, but, I um, last the week. I think it was last week. I meet the press. The same person asked the question. He goes, no, I'm all in now. I mean, now I'm all in. I'm not He's getting. Out. I'm now going to the end. Yeah. You know, I, So I think that's a good point. I think as entrepreneurs that we do that, it's like, why are we really doing this? Why are we really, really, really doing this? We could probably be really great at a a company job if we really wanted to. We want the freedom. We want to be able to create something and make money and the freedom, I believe.
0: I think that's that's very true. So what I'd like to do now is I'd like to shift gears a little bit and actually start heading down the superhighway to why we're here to begin with and tell me why – you know, you know how they say the the greed, for lack of a better word, is good? Why is failure, for lack of a better word, good? Why is failure, for lack of a better phrase, a success strategy? So what is the importance of failure in business and life today?
1: Well, uh, I could be esoteric about it, but I'll just kind of go to basics like football, just for a second, because I'm right. on football, right? Like it or not, whatever. Football, football. Um, if you look at football – as a game, okay, and you look at where NFL player has comes from, they had to pay, play football at a very young age and learn the game and then get hit a lot, uh, fail a lot, throw, if they were quarterbacks, throw uh, passes into air a lot and do a lot of kicks to the left. I mean, right. you learn, we as human beings learn from failure, and it's easier to see it from a physical standpoint, the game standpoint, they learn how to work with their uh, their. I guess the people on the team, their teammates, they learn to work with the coach. They have to learn how to work with their own bodies, how to get hit. You know, they actually learn how to get hit and how right. to fall down. Um, that's that's great. That That's the key piece. When you learn that it's okay to get hit, when you learn it's okay to fall down, that's where you learn. For, like, for instance, with my bankruptcy, one of the biggest things I learned, and it's actually a true story. So after – That day, I came home. I walked in. I found uh, all the merchant accounts are gone. The bank accounts are completely empty. The bills were still coming. I learned that he didn't take the bills, and Uh I thought, you know, poor nice guy, right? Um, I thought, oh my god, what's my recourse? And I really, I opened up the contract. I looked at the deal contract. I really had no recourse. So, here's what I did. I reached out to a guy who's very successful guy his name is larry pino he was the owner of a company called dyantech i mean he had about i don't know a thousand employees or something working for him at the time i Uh here i am i'm broke okay this is about a month in i reached out to his office and got a secretary and a secretary and i asked for a meeting and he met me at starbucks and i had 30 minutes and it was just him and i at starbucks a little table and I told him exactly what happened, and then I showed him the contract. And I, this is what I said to him, I go, what did I do wrong? Because I pretty much implemented the business model he had built, okay? And the thing he said to me was, Heather, wow, I'm really impressed. I'm really impressed with everything you've created. He goes, and someone who who's built something like this, you learn from me, but let me show you one mistake. And he pointed it out. He goes, this is how you fix this. If you want to do this again, which I highly suggest you do, I encourage you to do, don't stop don't stop is fix this one piece. Here's how you do that. he literally wrote it out for me. You know, here's how I make sure that, you know, my, my butt's covered. He's an ex lawyer. So he, he knew what he he saw the problem. And that was end of our 20 minute little coffee session. And I've taken that and guess what I have now? I now have a business lawyer and no matter what on anything, I read all my contracts and I run it by my business lawyer You've got to learn how to protect yourself. So I guess that's really the answer to It's like through failure, you learn. That's how we learn as human beings. There's no school book of entrepreneurship. Believe it or not, I actually have a master's degree in online marketing. But I promise you, online marketing is all about failure. You know, creating an offer, see if it works. Split testing, see if it works. You know, that's what I think um, uh, online marketing is all about. It's one failure offer at a time, one successful, one failure. Right. That's, th- that's the answer to the question. Failures is a key piece. That's how we learn as human beings. Here's the one caveat, and I'll just complete with this, is that the challenge is from age 6 to around 18, we have this thing called first grade through 12th grade, uh, and we're taught not to fail.
2: Yeah.
1: If you, if you fail, Joey, little boy Joey, you don't get to go to third grade. You're held back. You can't fail spelling blah, blah, blah. And we're kind of like honed in at this, you can't fail, you can't fail, you can't fail. And then you get on the entrepreneurship world and it's like, fail, test it, see if it works. It's completely counterintuitive. So I think that's one of the challenges entrepreneurship's hit.
0: Yeah, I I remember that uh, during that period called our compulsory education. Oh, you, well, you, you got to you got an A minus. Well, other people got an A. What happened? Didn't you study hard enough? I was classified as gifted. My my IQ put me one IQ point short of what they considered genius at the time. I was mm. so bored in first grade, they moved me to the second grade right in the middle of the year. And oh boy, that really helped my social life. But uh, that's a story for another time. Uh, but Over and over again, it was that, uh, you know, how how can you not do this? Uh, I was always classified as gifted. I was always taking advanced courses. Uh, I left secondary school with enough college credits through advanced placement courses to have an entire semester of college done with before I showed up for my first day. Wow. But But one thing that I really just could never get my head wrapped around was things like algebra and geometry and things like that. Uh, We got tutors involved. I spent 90% of my time struggling to not succeed per se, but pass the courses. Mm. And I get one deficiency report because I'm struggling in geometry. And uh, you'd think that somebody would say, huh, let's, you probably don't have this whole thing about the numbers about you. You're probably not going to be an accountant or a scientist. But look at you getting these otherwise straight A's and all these advanced placement things. You're on the debate team. You're on the academic trivia team. You're, you're on the, the mock trial team. Uh, you've got some pretty wide career vistas. We need to start focusing on where your brain really works. What do, you, do, you think that's how, do you think that's how it was approached?
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's. Uh,
0: you, you agree with that approach, but do you think that's the approach that folks try to take with me?
1: Yeah, they did. They, they like. they not They, they, they try to force you into this. You have to pass everything. Yeah. Versus focusing on, oh wow, you're a br- brilliant here. Let's hone that in and and ex- you know, ex- I guess you know, go down that path. But, yeah, as, as a kid, I, I actually failed second-grade spelling. Yeah. Really I failed it.
2: <laughs> right. You know, but
1: what's interesting about me, and the opposite of you, I loved math. Here's why I loved math. For me, I love math. I love uh, calculus. I have right. a sort of minor in math. It, but it's, it's kind of a solo entrepreneur thing um, because when you get to high, high-level math, like in college, you go into a test, and they give you one uh, one one thing to solve. And it could take like two hours to solve it, okay? Right. I love that because I didn't have to memorize anything. I can't stand memorizing stuff like biology. So what's interesting about that is me as an entrepreneur, I'm a problem solver. I'll look at something and I'll look at it and look at it and look at it and try to solve it because that's what my math skills did. Right. And, um, yeah. And my
0: point has been all along. I'm not so yeah. good at calculus and, and trigonometry and things like that, but there, are he- yeah. but there are people like Heather Havenwood who are, so go ask her.
1: Yeah, exactly. She's good at it. Yeah, ask
0: her. That's right. just not my
1: thing. <laughs> I, think, I think around – I mean, if I had to do it, I think around second, six, sixth or seventh grade, I think they should kind of tear people off and go, okay, you're really good at this. Why don't you focus on that? Right. And you're good at this and focus on that versus still having that broad, you got to know it all. I just don't think that's
0: right. helpful. So, so, to finish, so to finish what I was saying here, going back to yeah. your point about what the educational system does in terms of misprogramming people when it comes to failure, is it was yeah. actually suggested that I be removed from the gifted education program and scale back my advanced courses, the regular academic courses, because they were getting in the way of my ability to pass a math, a math class. It's like, uh, no, I'm getting straight A's in these other classes, and sometimes I don't even study for the tests.
1: There's something about it's, our
0: education. This thing that it's just not for me. And I don't care yeah, about I mean, it. I hate it. I don't want it.
1: There's something about the education that doesn't give us permission to fail, going back yeah. to that failure. Yeah. Or or not even fail. just That's not your strength. You're yeah. really good over here. You know, it doesn't give you permission as a kid to say, I'm really good over here. I'm not that great over there. Can I just right. focus on this and be really great at that? It's like a football player. You find out around, you know, whatever junior year, okay, they're really good at quarterback because then that, that means they're not going to be, you know, a defensive end. They focus right. on being a really great quarterback. They're not going to go become a defensive end, you know, but they understand defensive end, but they're not going to go be it. They're not going to focus on it anymore. Why can't you do that?
2: A, a, kid? Exactly. And
0: if, you, and if you look at football, some guys can throw the ball really far. Other guys can throw the ball really far, but maybe hey. that's a guy that can tackle anybody. Yeah. Yeah, got to put life exactly. on the field. <laughs> this is what I'm th- so I'm thinking here. So yeah, you know, so just uh, you know, I have one more question to ask you before we wrap up. And you know, much is uh, one other observation is when I got to college. I started getting a little bit smarter about this whole game of, you know, how we succeed. And, uh, I was a political science major. So by the time I got through all that general education stuff, which including have to endure two more math classes, that consumed all my time that I barely passed. Uh, and we're in the third year and we finally get to my political science curriculum, but there's still the matter of, I have one more science requirement. So I take this class on, um, I think it was called earth science and I learned a couple things in that class. I learned how humidity happens and why the rain happens and why rock rocks erode. I'd been taught it before, but you know this professor taught it in a way that I actually understood. And it was a fun class. But you remember being in college yourself, that you get to the point where you're at finals week and you have to figure out um, where to maximize your time and where to pull the all-nighters on the finals so that you get the best GPA and you get the best – GPA, not only generally speaking, but also within your major. Remember all that?
1: Uh, yes.
0: So uh, I was at a point where I was looking at getting potentially at least a 3.8 overall with a 4.0 in my major for that semester. Mm-hmm. And I was at a point in the science class where I could fail the final and still get a B. Nice. I, I, the, the course is outside my major, and uh, fortunately, it wasn't too mathematical. For otherwise, I wouldn't have understood it. But I had fun in it, and I did really good on the midterms and and the class projects. I I I enjoyed it. It was a it was a distraction, but it was something that I think I gained something from. And mm. uh, and, I, and I and I and I told and I told somebody about this, and they said, "But of course, you're going to study hard for that, and you're going to get the A in the science class." I said, "Well." Actually, no, I'm probably not going to study for it at all, because all I need is a 32% on this final to, to get a B for the course, and it doesn't count for my major, so I don't really need it. I, could, I, I mean, I could, actually, I could actually not show up for the final and get a B-. minus. Nice. So, 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 so opposed to this, I have to be perfect in everything, I might not even take it. So I, went and I, so I went and I did take it. Uh, I, I, I did enough of the final. The, the, I thought that I got maybe about a 65 or a 70%, maybe something like that. I gave myself some – I only needed the 34 or whatever it was, but I gave myself a little bit of extra.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't
0: know if there was a curve or I was underestimating my abilities. I got an A-minus. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, that's good. You got an A-. minus. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. But 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 my thinking around this he was a little bit sharper. This is not what I was gonna do with my life. This is not really why I was in college. If it wasn't a requirement, I probably wouldn't be in this class. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. need to spend time here.
1: Mm. Yeah. I what college makes you makes you do that. I actually started out as a pre med major. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, that didn't really work out. I actually it was um I actually had a here's how it happened. It was actually something I really highly suggest anybody who's listening who's in college or just out or whatever, is if you think you wanna go into a particular industry, go become a shadow. As shadows is basically you just kind of follow the person around. And so I had the opportunity to shadow uh doctors. Um I was right. pre med and they had this they had this connection with the university. So I did I mean I did it. A lot. I mean, as much as I could, right? And I did this one particular one. It was ER. I uh, followed the chief emergency room guy around. Wow. From 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. on a Saturday night. Nice. Yeah, in a downtown hospital. So it was crazy. We got a bullet wound. Wow, get... there
0: was there was no messing around with your trial by fire.
1: No, I was <laughs> like, I want to learn. So my job, of course, you can't say anything or do anything. You'd be literally like a shadow. You can't touch anything. Right. Oh, I remember this though, it was really um, profound. And this gentleman, he was a nice guy, he's probably in his 50s, he knows, um, really great doctor. And he says, Okay, I'm responsible for you. I need you just to stay here in the nursing station for like half an hour. Don't move because I'm responsible for you, but I'll be back. And he like takes off, right? I'm like, Okay. He comes back and he looks at me, he's like, just like walks right up to me and says, Look, I don't know you, I don't know why you're pre med. I don't know, but I, I'll tell you this if you're in medicine because you want to help people or make a lot of money, you're in the wrong business. If you just love science for some reason, you just love science for science, then you'll be fine. And he walked away. And I thought to myself, well, yeah, I do want to make money and uh, yeah, I do want to help people. And I'm not like a big fan of science. Like it's kind of one of those like, I deal with it. Right. Probably in the wrong industry, you know, and that that was the moment about that next semester. I totally changed my entire career um uh, my major, I went to a new university and i i I did the let's get out as fast as possible, yeah, and I actually made up my degree. I have a degree in interdisciplinary studies with a focus on telecommunications and web design, nice. and I took my first internet marketing course um in two thousand at that university, yeah, yeah kind of crazy, right.
0: Yep, yep, yep. Well, uh, you know, my my undergrad was uh, geared towards the idea I was going to become an attorney, and uh, then I actually attended a seminar taught by an attorney who shared his experiences being an attorney, and I thought, no. Mm-hmm. I don't think so, and I reflected that the reason I got this idea of being an attorney was because somehow I had persuaded myself as a child that all of our presidents had been attorneys, and I wanted to be president Now, had I gone to college just a few years later uh, when we had the election of George w. Bush, uh here's a guy who had an m b a who became president, so here I am I'm in the corporate world, and ironically, the year two thousand is when I decided to go for my m b a figuring well, maybe I can still be president this way.. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I love that. But I love how you listen to someone who's actually in, you kind of shadowed. I mean, with was a seminar, yeah. but you still shadowing, you know, someone who's telling you the truth. I think that's a key yeah. piece. And people, I think the worst thing we do as education is we ask someone 18 years old, what do you want to do the rest of your life? Like, what the heck is that? I, I, I mean, I'm almost 40. I'm still not figuring it out, you know? Yeah. I'm just me not too. Still I'm still an open door. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm, I'm 39. I'm still open. Okay, so we have literally a minute and a half before they go on to the next show. This has been such a great interview. 30 seconds, okay. Heather. Uh, tell us uh, how people can connect with you and take it to the next level.
1: Oh, sure. Well, thank you for this. It's heatherhavenwood.com, heatherhavenwood.com. Uh, if you want to check out my book, sexybossinc.com. And if you opt in, you get two free chapters of my audiobook.
0: Wow, I'm going to have to check that out myself. As I said, I've been following you for a minute here, and I was so overjoyed when I found out that uh, we had booked you for the Business Creators Radio Show. One of my pieces of leverage is is we have booking agents who fill up the roster for us, and I just get to show up and help people share their brilliance. So this is really a labor of love for me.
1: Thank you. Well, thank you for this opportunity. I really, really appreciate connecting with you.
0: Yes, and thank you for being with us, especially for this very timely topic, or rather timeless topic, because this is always relevant of how to create business one failure at a time. I know we covered a lot of mindset stuff here today, but it's critical. So again, Heather Havenwood, it's been an honor and an education having you here today.
1: Thank you. Thank you for your time, Adam.
0: All right. And for everybody listening, this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show, where we help you win... At the game of business and marketing. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and our very popular iTunes channel.